Hello and welcome to another episode of the Portable Magic Dispenser, a podcast for your school or public library, whatever library. My name is Lucas Maxwell and I'm the host uh, today, every day. Today, uh, usually I put these up on Tuesday, but today is uh, Monday and I'm doing this this because um, I'm really excited to say that I have a new book coming out um, about tabletop role-playing games and Dungeons and Dragons and how to r- librarians can run it and set it up. Um, it's called Let's Roll, a guide to setting up tabletop role-playing games in your school or public library. And it's being published by a Facet Publishing. It'll come out in probably February or March, um, one or the other. But the reason why I'm on here today is that if you head over to Twitter uh, you or Instagram, but on Twitter you can find me at uh, Lucas J. Maxwell and... I'm doing a giveaway, is what I'm trying to say, of one of a copy of the book. Um, so you can head over there and check it out. And uh, all you need to do is uh, retweet the tweet and then respond by telling me your favorite class or character to play in Dungeons and Dragons. Or if you aren't uh, a D&D player um, but are interested, you know, what would you... What, what do you think you'd like to uh, play? And we'll choose someone. It's international, so this can be um, put out. Uh, it can be done from any anybody anywhere in the world, and we'll mail a copy out. Um, and that's what I'm going to talk about today is my book. Um, sorry if this is not <laughs> something you want to hear, but um, uh, I'm very excited to have this come out because... I really loved writing it. I did not in a million years think that uh, anything like this was going to be... I would ever have this written. Uh, I've only been playing D&D for, you know, seriously for about three or four years. Not even that. And I've talked a lot about how that came to be. Um, Like a lot of people through the pandemic and these amazing um, students that I'm playing with. And I play with some amazing uh, adults as well. And uh, so it's, uh, I'll go through a little bit what the book will cover. Um, It's going to talk about uh, what inspired me to write it. And really it was the the students uh, here at at the school. And we play twice weekly and at lunchtime. And I recommend you play at lunch. Or after school. If you can do after school, it's probably better. And I say that in the book only because there's more time, but it is about time. And the whole thing for me is about making these positive memories for these kids and um, having fun uh, while doing it because it is a huge amount of fun if you do it right. Uh, It should not be stressful. I can understand why it is because it's overwhelming. And that's kind of what the book, the point of the book was to... I felt very overwhelmed when I first started trying to figure out how to play it, and for someone like me, um, I, I do get overwhelmed easily. I take a little longer to kind of process information, um, and I get frustrated with myself pretty easily when, when I don't understand things, so I was thinking, what kind of book would I want that just kind of like broke everything down with D&D and with tabletop role-playing in general, and that's what the book's about, so... Um, 
that's kind of what inspired me to do it was that I, I felt so overwhelmed that I wanted to, I started to connect with people on Twitter and on my, my blog about how to, uh, you know, ways that just tips for people who are in it in the, in the, in public and school libraries. And I was like, you could do this, you can do that. Um, so the book will start with that and then launch into how to convince um, senior leadership or management to run the game or a t- tabletop role-playing game if it's if you feel like that's something that you will need to do. Um, some people just say, well, I just started it and it didn't matter. I didn't need to uh, convince anybody. So that's amazing. So hopefully that's the way it is. <laughs> but um, some people do. So what you can do is show that, um, A, it'll bring new faces to the library um, B, it will, it has, it has tons of uh, mental health benefits. And I interviewed a mental health expert who, who does D and D sessions. Her name is Katie Lear out of, uh, I want to say North Carolina. I should hopefully got that right. And so the interview is in there with her, a lot of parts of the interview anyway. Um, I did a lot of case studies with librarians around the world and we just, um, just talked about those things. I had them say what, why did you run it? How do you run it? Um, how do you run these types of games? Did you have to say anything to senior leadership, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. So, it those are all in there, and then I talk about what you need to play these games. And there's tons of tabletop role playing games that are like alternatives um, to D and D, and I talked a lot about uh, those. There's ones like Kids on Bikes. There's um, uh, my Little Pony Land of Equestria uh, role-playing games. There's all sorts of those. So there's ones that are really, really require no setup at all and no, no time. You don't really need to use a lot of time. And if you have younger players, um, I recently interviewed um, David Lemke from the D&D Adventure Club, and that's one that should be included in this list of great, al- not alternatives, but um, amazing ways to to cut out the uh, the time sink that D and D requires. So, the D and D Adventure Club. It's like um, they're a husband and wife team out of um, Bainbridge Island, which is off the coast of Seattle in the Pacific Northwest. And they've sent me a few of these adventures, and they're little booklets, beautifully illustrated, very well made, very sturdy little booklets, and they're like each one is an hour to an hour and a half session D&D, start to finish. And some of them are interconnected, but you don't need to um, worry about that. You can just do them as a one-time, like a one-shot. So I, I talk about these kinds of alternatives. And what's cool about D&D Adventure Club is that it's aimed at um, ages 8 plus. And any, anyone who's played D&D maybe with like a, a campaign book or anything from other places, uh, you'll notice that stuff in there, some stuff in there is aimed at maybe 14 up, maybe 13, you know, maybe 12 is usually pretty good age to start it at, but, you know, an 8-year-old may not, is definitely not going to be accessing the same thing that a 14-year-old is going to be accessing, and, you know, the way it's set up is, is not maybe aimed at an 8-year-old's because I have run it with eight-year-olds, uh, nine-year-olds, and their attention is is a, really an hour max, in my opinion. They're not going to be too interested in lore. They're not too interested in the history of your of your city, um, 
what they want to do is fight. Usually, when they want to fight, they want treasure, and they want to fight constantly. And typically, they want to fight each other, and I don't allow that. So um, I just make it very clear that this is a not a PvP. I talk about that kind of thing in the book. Um, the whole thing is set up. The whole book is set up again to take away stress, take away anxiety around running these types of games. Um, so D and D Adventure Club is an amazing alternative. The other thing to do, in my opinion, is to. Sorry, I got a weird noise on my mic here. I'll leave that in. It's great radio. Um, the other thing to do is to look up these websites like Drive Through RPG, through spelled T H R U. I've talked about this before, or DM Guild or DMs Guild, um, G U I L D. You can make a free account and you can find one shot adventures or easy to run adventures that usually costs a dollar or a pound or even sometimes free but i usually try to chip in it's kind of like pay what you want a lot of them sometimes you can get bundles for like ten dollars i use it all the time uh for instance one of the first campaigns i ever ran was called storm king's thunder which i really recommend but it's got a tricky chapter in it chapter three in that uh in that campaign is really left wide open and it can catch you as a dungeon master completely off guard because the players can essentially go anywhere in this massive world and you need to be ready <laughs> if they decide to go you need to have things set up and it, the book just might have one line on a city and you need to now build a city in your brain a lot of these cities are quote unquote famous cities from the world of forgotten realms and D&D but you have to do some research you know there's a bundle on on DM's Guild. This guy has put together a... I shouldn't say a guy. I don't know who it is. Uh, this person has put together a complete pack of how to run that chapter in particular and run the game and what to do, how to foreshadow things. It really made a huge difference when I'm... Uh, I'm running it. I ran it for students, and they really loved it and kind of hooked them in. And now I'm running it for adults. I'm about to finish it. Probably by the time this is finished, by the time you hear this, I will have finished Storm King Thunder with adults. We've been doing it for quite a long time. And, yeah, it's been good. So <laughs> um, those are the things that, those are the two sites that I really recommend. There's a bunch of free, um, like, uh, no prep things you can look at. Um, I really recommend it. And these are the types of things that are that are in the book. How to do a session zero is in the book. I've done a whole podcast on that. And that, again, session zero, what is it? It's where you sit down with your players and you decide um, what the session, what the campaign, what the game is going to entail. What do they want to get out of it? What do you expect? Behavior expectations. Um, character creation can be done during this. Um Backgrounds, so you need to talk to your players. Your job as DM is not to just be secretive. Really, you can do it without spoiling the um, the campaign, um, and you can do it without um, causing stress because you can say, "Look, we're going to work together." I do it all the time. So this, I, we did one that was set in the jungle, Tomb of Annihilation. It's brutal in a good way. It's really hard though, and these students did it. They absolutely loved it. They were stuck in the jungle for ages, um, <laughs> and 
the fact that it was in the jungle made one character become a grung, um, and which is like a, fr- a frog that can poison, you know, poison other creatures just by touching it, etc. But they loved it. They had a good time being that creature, but it worked well in the jungle. Made for some really funny interactions where they came across a grung village and they had to pretend to be a grung god uh, because the rest of the party was going to be um, sacrificed to this god. Anyway, it was um, it was fun and they they enjoyed it, but that wouldn't have really come about if I had just launched into the game. So you need this session zero where you sit down with your players, and I I really break it down step by step in the book how to run a session zero and what to do, how to do it, and what you should be doing at the end. And things like um, how to follow up with the session zero for me is to send the students notes. Um, recaps of each session uh, you don't have to do that but they, our students seem to really enjoy it so I I do it because I enjoy it as well and um, it's a lot of fun so um, it uh, makes for a better kind of atmosphere if you do that and especially if you're doing a campaign um, I know I've talked to public librarians who they do one shots and they have because they have huge waiting lists and things like that, which is fully understandable. So maybe one shot, you have to work out as a one shot each time going to be the best for you. I also talk about training um, teens to be good DMs, Dungeon Masters, how to do that, um, how to uh, make sure that they are prepared and what they need to do. And we have two teenagers, no, sorry, three teenagers running three different sessions now. Um two after school and one during lunchtime throughout every week so we have a um i think um, a 17 year old and she's running it for 12 year olds we have a 15 year old running it for another group of 13 year olds and we have a 15 uh, another 15 year old um running it for 11-year-olds. So it's chaotic, but as long as you are there to um, oversee it and give them the space to be creative and have fun, there's it's really running well. And it's filled that need um, because I was running it for like six to eight students, but that's just that number of students in the whole school. Some uh, Tons of students want to play. So now we're at capacity with three other um, sessions, completely separate groups. That means that now it's like 40 kids almost get to play, which when I run a regular program like book club, manga club, comic book club, film club, usually our maximum is 30 kids. So it does... it help. It makes me feel a lot better that you know kids aren't really missing out because usually we have to like cap it at that anyway because of space. So if we could run it, I mean, if we ran it every day, <laughs> every day at lunchtime and after school, it would fill up. I'm sure we do have some kids waiting. Listen, some students play for a few sessions and drop out because it's not there for them, but that's absolutely fine. My advice is to um, check in all the time with the students who are running it. And in the, all this is in the book that you should write down, um, you should make copies of their, their um, character sheets if they're doing D&D because it helps you keep track of who's who, help them level up. They love to, when they level up, they love to learn. It takes a lot of time, but they 
They want to know what's going on. They want to learn about these things. Um, my other advice is to, and again, in the book, um, buy this, the starter set, which is like $15. There's two now. There's one called The Dragons of Stormwreck Isle, which is great. Um, and thank you to Wizards of the Coast for sending a, a box of that out to us. That was really helpful. So what the book is is just pr- hopefully practical advice step by step and you, it's it's designed that you don't really need to read it front to back you need to open it up and go okay what chapter is relevant to me i don't need permission to start D. what do i need okay let's go to that chapter what do i do at session zero um i also have uh links to i've made my own um D&D starter adventure and I'm trying, I'm in the midst of writing more of those um, and a lot of the times when I look at these campaign books or um, uh, other even stuff on DMs Guild etc when I was first starting out, they assume a lot they assume that you know quite a bit already <laughs> and I didn't know what certain things meant. So what I've done in these ones, in this one that I've written, really that would be like levels one to two, or maybe one to three. Um, I've kind of created a little world um, called Smogwood, and it's got a few. It's like a little village next to a wood and a river. It's very, very standard D and D stuff. But what it is is. Um, I break it down step by step, like in actually saying, ask students to roll this now. Okay, what, like, read this now. And there's like a little box and you read it out and it's, then it's, if students want to investigate, they need to roll a perception check. Perception is found here. And I show you exactly step by step where these things are found on the D&D character sheets. Roll this D20, add this. It's extremely practical, and if you know D&D, you might find it a little bit maybe not wordy, but you might go, okay, I know how to do that. But you could still use it as a little quick mini adventure. So, um, And I'm going to be adding to that um, as I go. I've also done a bunch of webinars and um, talks on this uh, topic. And um, I'm really enjoying that, so hopefully you, you as well. And I cannot recommend enough. Uh, really, all you need to play is dice and paper and tables, dice especially. But I go through all the other things that you can do, flip charts, helpful markers. You need the space. You need the time, really. But there's a ton of things that you can you can do. What I'll do now is um, provide a few blogs, websites, Twitter accounts, etc. that I think you should check out if you are um, thinking about starting D&D or you need more help. Um, one of them uh, out of the U.S. is called Sly Flourish, uh, S-L-Y, and then the new word F-L-O-U-R-I-S-H. Uh, this person... Um, named Mike. He breaks down tons of resources, writes a lot of articles um, just about how to be um, a great DM. He has these cool series of books called Lazy Dungeon Master, and they're great. I really recommend buying those books. 
Um, so Sly Flourish uh, is one of the top things I think you should check out if you are um, th- trying to be a good DM and trying to start out. There's this other guy named um, DM David. He um, does lots of different um, things about rules, inspiration. Um, he talks. He provides um, uh, weekly kind of encounters you can do. Uh, he's good. He's really kind of practical. So I recommend DM David. Uh, I also have this book that I really love called um, The Monsters Know What They're Doing. And I think he's written a couple of books. His name is Keith Aman or Aman. And what he does is um, he breaks down uh, how to, as a dungeon master, how to use monsters to their top ability. Um, myself as a DM, I'm often, you know, realizing I've got a creature and I don't know really how to use it. Like sometimes oh, I just did something recently um, with three, you know, hags. If you have three hags, you can do many more spells if one of them dies and you can't. But uh, it's just different ways to use the creatures that maybe you didn't realize the potential that they that they had. Um, there's also there's a so many um, there's one called uh, flutes loot and that's f l u t e s loot and that's a d and d blog um, another one that's great I use that all the time uh, I also listen to critical role which is the most probably I would say probably the most popular one so it's nothing. Um, um, I'm kind of will be considered on the bandwagon for that one, but Critical Role for me is great because I, I, I am enjoying the story. There's three different campaigns, or there's there are a few sessions into the the third campaign. You can watch it on YouTube, or you can listen to the podcast. It's the same thing. Uh, the thing is. A lot of DMs try to compare themselves to the host, and he's this guy named Matt Mercer who is some sort of evil genius DM. Uh, And I don't know anything about him or the other players other than I enjoy watching them play. And I I learned a lot from watching the, the second campaign, and I did never try to compare myself to him. I don't think that's a very smart thing to do. But... I learned that I saw him do a few th- tricks, I think, and I learned a few tricks from him that were pretty cool. Um, especially if you play in person and you have a non-player character, sometimes just changing your body stance can be effective. You don't need to do voices all the time. He does do voices because he's a voice actor. They're all voice actors, so these guys are professional and they play it now professionally. They get paid a lot of money to play D&D, so there's that. But um, I learned that, that you can just kind of, like, change your body stance. And there's been a few instances where I think he simply has just upped the hit points of creatures um, just to make it more difficult. And I don't, yeah, I don't really see any problem with that. Um, so if you have a group, because I have a group that with the students, there's a lot of them. And there's these, I just, sometimes you have to up the hit points of things because otherwise they will defeat everything. So 
I don't. Uh, I see him doing that kind of thing, and um, I don't think he ever fudges a role. Um, but I, I personally, I leave that up to you to decide if you want to do that. And all that means is, if you roll behind the screen and the other players aren't seeing it, and the roll determines the complete life or death of a character, they're going to lose their character, and you you really don't want that to happen. Um, and you decide to roll. And you, or you decide to say what the role was, um, and is different than what you actually rolled. That's called fudging the role. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's up to you. Um, I have done it with younger players, just so there's no upset uh, in that situation. I don't see any problem with it. But uh, that's everyone has a different opinion. That are the, those are the types of things a book offers. Is like I said, practical advice for you to figure out how to set it up, run, get the most out of it, have the most fun. So again, you can head over to Twitter at Lucas J. Maxwell today, uh, Monday the 14th, and take part in the giveaway. It'll be lasting until the 21st, and good luck. And uh, there's a pre-order button link there. Uh, I hope you will, if you even if you enter the contest, I, hope, I really hope you pre-order the book. Um, I would be really, really grateful because I really have poured my heart and soul into this book and and really proud of it. And I hope it does well. And I hope I honestly hope it's very useful. Um, I'm really grateful that I've had opportunity to write a book about this topic that I really love. And yeah, that's it. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. And that's all I have for today. So I hope you have a great week. Uh, take care. And I'll talk to you soon.